Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. <laughs> it woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles, recorded for February 17th, 2023. Man, could it be better? <laughs> it's good times here in the world. First, the business. The show is not kid safe, not work safe, not brand safe, not uh, vaccinated. Just cover yourselves. D ducking cover before you listen to this show. The show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial, attribution, 4.0 unported. Theme music is by the late great band, The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind auspices of Backbeat Media. I will one day get out a dictionary and look up what the word auspice means. I do not speak for my day job. I have a day job. It's not that hard to find. I speak publicly for them, but I am not on their brand. And the horrifying things or the aggressive or uh, whatever things I say uh, do not reflect on the fine folks at my day job because they have nothing to do with this. Okay. Are we capiche? Let us begin with the song. Um, in previous episodes, I've talked about the whisper uh, project to um, uh, back transcript and kind of back show notes, parts of the show notes that didn't uh, exist. And one of the things that's happened is I'm really kind of understanding a little bit more about the history of music I have played. And I'm realizing uh, that I have played certain bands, particularly in the early days of the show, a lot more than I thought. Like Michelle Malone, I had like 15 plays from her that I had not previously recorded. But uh, this is a song I have played before, but it's a cover. So I have played the Against Me version of Transgender Dysphoria Blues. I'm going to play a different version by the band Axis of Awesome. I don't know anything about this at all. I actually was going to um, play the song, uh, and I thought, you know, I have played this before. And one, and because of this whole project, I just don't feel like replaying songs. There's a billion songs in the world. Why am I playing the same song over and over? But um, I listened to this cover. And I thought, I want to play this song, but the cover is different. The original Against Me is very much, it's like a rockabilly shuffle, right? It, and... and it has this sort of um, punk rock aggressiveness that maybe provides a shield to the lyrics. And this is like a somber, more contemplative version of it that, in fact, I think embraces the sadness of the lyrics. So I'm going to play this version. Here you go from the album Viva La Vida Loca Las Vegas. What the hell? <laughs> this is the album Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida Loca Las Vegas from the band The Axis of Awesome. This is their cover of Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Your towns are so obvious 
too broad for a girl Keeps you reminded Helps you remember where you come from You want them to notice The ragged ends of your summer dress You want them to see you like they see every other girl They just see a faggot they hold their breath not to catch the sick Rough surf on the coast, I wish I could have spent the whole day alone Rough surf on the coast, I wish I could have spent the whole day alone Rough surf on the coast, I wish I could have spent the whole day alone With you With you With you your strut you got no hips to shame and you know it's obvious but we can't choose how we made you want them to notice the ragged ends of your summer dress you want them to see you like they see every other girl they just see a fat Hold their breath not to catch the sick Rough surf on the coast I wish I could have spent the whole day alone Rough surf on the coast I wish I could have spent the whole day alone Rough surf on the coast I wish I could have spent the whole day alone With you With you summer dress you want them to see you like they see every other girl they just see a faggot they hold their breath not to catch the sick rough surf on the coast I wish I could have spent the whole day alone rough surf on the coast I wish I could have spent the whole day alone rough surf on the coast I wish I could have spent the whole day alone with you with you There you go. From the band, The Axis of Awesome, on the album, Viva La Vida Loca. Viva! God damn it. Viva La Vida Loca Las Vegas. That was Transgender Dysphoria Blues. So why did I pick that song? There is, in fact, a reason. Sometimes these songs have no reason. Sometimes they do have a reason. Um, I uh, have been telling the story of my Mastodon Fediverse journey recently. And uh, it got real messy real fast. So uh, uh, not to retell the entire story, but, you know, when I joined, I did, had no idea. The worst part of uh, joining Mastodon is you got to pick an instance and you don't know why. And you don't know what's a good choice. and You don't know what's a bad choice. And they're not always open. And you just don't know. And I picked Mastodon LOL uh, almost at random. It is largely an LGBTQ plus uh, server. I am uh, not that. 
<laughs> so I always felt kind of interlopery. Um, even, you know, when they say you don't have to be, you know, it's just it's a safe space for those places. That doesn't mean that others are excluded. Even so, I kind of felt like maybe I was using resources that, uh, you know, I didn't I wasn't entitled to that didn't belong to me. I felt a little bit weird, but uh, apparently. And so I haven't been privy to this. I haven't um, uh, been part of the fight. I think the people who are most in the fight are not people I follow. So it largely was invisible to me. But apparently there's a whole big thing about this new Harry Potter game. This whatever the hell it is. Hogwarts Legacy or something. And um, partly because J.K. Rowling herself is kind of this anti-trans figure. And really is just a dick about it. Not merely anti-trans, but also says, well... If uh, uh, the you know billions of dollars I have <laughs> says that uh, people are okay with that, and just just a dick about it, just a, just awful person about it, and apparently maybe this game itself has stuff about it. Like, I think maybe the developer was like one of the GamerGate people, or I, and I think maybe part of the text. I think the text, ha- like the the little wizened goblins who run all the banks and have really long noses. Well, that was already kind of um, problematic, shall we say. And I think that's a big part of this game. And so the game was divisive. And apparently um, there were people on Mastodon LOL, which is a space safe space for trans people among others. Uh, I guess wanted to define the game as hate speech or something. There was a, there was a ideological struggle amongst people. That eventually got, not eventually, I mean quickly, uh, got heated amongst people. And um, I, th- this ended up in abuse and harassment towards the um, admin of that instance, who at some point, uh, after a little bit of this, said, fuck it. You have 90 days and then I'm shutting down this instance. So go f- everyone go find new homes. I don't want to do this anymore. So this was on Thursday. This announcement came at like, 2 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. By 5 p.m. Eastern, he was saying how he was, or by 4 p.m. He was saying he's not going to look at notifications anymore. You know, some are positive, some are negative. He's just not going to look at them. By 5 p.m. He said, I'm not looking at any, anything. Uh, I'll shut this down in 90 days. Goodbye. (laughs) And then, uh, so I was like, well, shit, now I got to find a home. And so there's this whole, uh, and I'll talk about the, the the home I found later, but there's this whole big thing. And uh, so it became, it, it was drawing these dividing lines. And so the guy who had this instance, and this is not a new instance. He started this five years ago. It's been around for five years. Um, so he's that early uh, adopter. And he is, I, I believe, and again, I, I know practically nothing about uh, practically any of these people, but I believe he is a cis gay man um and then there began became all these um divisions about i saw trans people saying this is why you don't let cis guys uh entitled white cis guys do what and it's like all these divisions and it was like and i did not jump into the fray because the last thing you need is uh you know whitey magoo cis boy (laughs) here um uh Telling you how to be, right? So I just kept my mouth shut. But I really thought, as I'm watching all this, I was like, do not make this thing. This is a thing. This is, I've I've had this. Uh, you know, when you run a thing, and then you have one really fucking bad day. Like, really fucking bad day. And most things, this is why, 
I mean, this is why things close down, right? This is why businesses shutter. This is why projects stop. Usually, um, uh, you know, you're struggling, you're struggling, struggling, and then you have one really fucking bad day. And you say, why am I doing this? <laughs> and you shut the thing down. That's why things shut down. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I understand why Nathan would shut this down. But boy, the people who want to make it something bigger, I really, I didn't want them to. And, but I didn't know uh, how to tell them not to. Because, you know, as you look around, Florida being the main one, like the governor of Florida has decided that trans people are like the main thing. And literally anybody who pays any attention knows that there's no particular damage being done by trans people to anyone anywhere. The main reason that he's picking them is because they are a thin edge of a wedge. There's not that many of them. Um, they don't, they're not politically, uh, you know, um, powerful. They're not wealthy and by and large, they're just normal. Here's the thing. The people he have picked a fight with, the only goal they have is to be left the fuck alone to live their miserable, boring little lives. You know, I know uh, trans people and I'm, I have met a lot of trans people, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. And uh, the the thing that I have seen universally amongst them is that their greatest goal is to just live their lives. And also, they are routinely, routinely pretty, pretty ordinary. There's not that much. It's not a salacious thing. It's not a crazy thing. They're just normal people who want to do normal shit and not have to uh, defend themselves against people who think they're an existential threat and would like them to basically die. That's in general, uh, people who want you to die uh, are, are not generally on your side. Shall we, can we go out on that limb? So like all classic bullies, you know, the right wing of 2023 is looking for fights they can win. So who's a nice weak opponent that we can make a big splash with and take on a fight and win. And then, you know, embolden ourselves and take on the next fight, right? The next weakest, <laughs> That's that's how Bill that's how Bill bullies work, right? You start they they work the opposite of uh, they work the opposite of uh you know fighting the biggest guy in the prison year. They they fight the weakest one and then they fight the next weakest one. And so all this shit is going on. And it's just it, it, so Mastodon LOL shutting down in the middle of it feels significant to the other fight, but it feels like um uh it feels like the wrong thing. Now you've got people who largely, largely are on the same side of life, who largely want the same things out of life, and they are absolutely uh, at each other's throats, squabbling over this fucking thing. I was like, God damn it. <sighs> I mean, sure, the cis gay guy who's shutting down this instance is not trans, but at the same time, he does not want you dead. He's not trying to prevent you from getting medical care, you know. So let's prioritize um prioritize um, the threats facing us. All right. I'm pretty sure I have not talked about this, but uh, I will is because I uh, am now friendly with the local uh, trans group uh, here in Myrtle beach on MLK day. They had the Saturday before MLK day. There was a March um, in Myrtle beach, you know, I don't know, four or six blocks down ocean Boulevard um, for various people in, uh, you know, it was, uh, largely African-American, but there were other groups and the trans local trans group um, marched and I marched with them. I mostly took pictures. Um, I was kind of like the official documentor of it. 
I did not carry the banner, but I, you know, I was with them. And uh, so I was out there kind of just showing support. Here's what I can say from my view of inside the parade, walking down um, MLK on a surprisingly cold day. And it had been warm the day before. And then the day that we're out there uh, on Saturday morning, it is cold and windy. Um, What I saw is I saw lots of smiling African-American faces. Probably 80% of the people lining the streets were African-American. I did not see one scowl. I did not see one person who looked mad at this group. Um, I saw a lot of people uh, waving, smiling. Uh, I heard some I love yous. Um, I believe I want to say those were entirely from African-American women. I don't believe the dudes were much yelling that. But in fact, uh, it was supportive and it was it felt nice. Right. This is a group of people. Um, you know, there are times where, um, you know, there are times where the African-American community can be intolerant of some things, right? I have seen this, right? intolerant of gay marriage, you know? Um, and in general, I think it felt like that day. It said, you know, we all have some struggles. We are still all struggling. So let us not uh, struggle between ourselves. Let's struggle against the common enemy. And that's what it felt like. And that's what I, that's what I want out of this other thing is just an acknowledgement that we're all generally on the same side, that we all generally want the same things, and that the people that uh, the dickheads who uh, oppose that are generally the same dickheads. It's basically this, uh, a group of dickheads who want bad things for uh, everyone, uh, us and everyone we care about. So anyway, Mastodon, LOL. Turns out to not be that LOL. So, um, uh, to back up from that. So this is Thursday. I need a new home. And I was kind of, uh, uh, let's roll back maybe a month or three weeks. Uh, actually let's roll back six years (laughs) to the patrons of this fine, uh, establishment. By the way, you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, um, when the patrons, like the first couple months of the patronage, um, I sent everybody a shirt. And part of the, the hugest mistake I set this up was s- defining a, an annual physical thing that requires manufacturing. So uh, I did that in the first year, and I've never once sent a shirt since then. And I never you go one week without thinking, fuck, I owe so many shirts to so many people. <laughs> and I... And this is one of those problems. This is like not going to the dentist for a few years. Then you don't go for 10 years and it just gets worse. This problem is getting worse. The longer I don't address it, it's a bigger problem, which makes it harder to address. I have looked at, I was looking at getting silk screening equipment so that I could just set it to shit up in my garage and silk screen the stuff. Um, I have silk screened. The late, great, wonderful man, Thomas Peake, taught me how to silk screen. They had a silk screening apparatus in Georgia Tech. Like in the, there was a big arts and crafts center. If you never knew this, and you're, if you were in the old, old one, uh, there are multiple student centers since I went there, but you know, in the eighties and early nineties. Um, if you were in the student center, you went up to the third floor. There was a giant room that had pottery wheels and silk screening and art stuff. And, uh, there was just a whole bunch of crap in there. And you could silk screen for cheap. I mean, super cheap. Well, I have run across this dude uh, just on Mastodon um, who is up in LJ, Georgia. And I look to see if something crazy has happened in LJ since I know about it. It's just like it's smaller than Conway, South Carolina. It's like due north of Atlanta. It's like 
go to what you think is the northernmost exurb of Atlanta. Like, go to Cumming, which is like an hour away from the perimeter. And then go north from there, and you'll get to LJ. And it's just, it's a, just a little sleepy North Georgia. I believe it's in the mountains. I'm not sure how mountainy it is up there, but it's getting there. It might be at the foothills of the mountains, if not actually in the mountains. And they have this makerspace that seems so rocking. It seems better than our hackerspace that we had here. It's got a recording studio in it. It's got a coffee shop. They've got a coffee bean roastery. <laughs> they do retail sales along with everything else. And they have a hackerspace and they've got 3D printers and they've got all the hackerspace makerspace stuff. And they've got silkscreen apparatus. So I'm looking at this and I thought, man, I'm totally willing to drive my ass from Conway, South Carolina to LAJ, Georgia to go silkscreen some shirts. And so I was kind of asking about it. And like you can buy a week pass, I think, to this place for $25 or something like that. It's so, so low. I mean, at that point, it's almost zero. And, uh, and so I was like looking at this and talking to the dude. And the dude's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you want to do it, you ha- the screens have to dry for a day. But if you tell us how many screens you want, uh, you know, and what the dimensions you need are, we'll do the screens ahead of time and let them dry so they're just ready to go when you get here. I was like, these people are so nice. <laughs> So I've been talking to these people. Then the Mastodon LOL stuff starts coming down. And it went from, I'm shutting down in three months to, it looks dire, in like a couple hours. Then I thought, and this guy from the hackerspace says, you know, we have an instance. If you want an account on that instance to migrate to, you're welcome. And I said, thank you so very much. However, uh, Wandering Shop, I have mentioned this before, Wandering Shop is like a science fiction-y, writer-y, fan-type place. And I'm holding out hope for that. Well, over the course of like two hours after that, it's looking bad. And people are like uh, defederating, which is basically like doing a instance le- an entire server-level block on Mastodon LOL. And it was looked like it was de- de- descending into all-out war. And the problem with that is when you, um, when you migrate... Basically, the, like the process is you tell everybody that follows you. The main thing about migration is like all your stuff is easy enough to keep. You can do a backup of your stuff, like who you follow. The problem is people that follow you. You don't want to just have to start over because, you know, it can be hard to get people to follow you and you've built up this this group. So like what migration does, as I understand it, is you tell all the people to say, oh, by the way, that server, that this account on this server is now an account on that server. And one by one, they migrate over. Well, if the the instance that that person is on has been blocked by your server. They're never going to get that me- message. So if people are, if there's like a widespread move to defederate Mastodon LOL because of this giant uh, knife fight that's now spilling into the <laughs> Mastodon at large, well, that means I can't mi- even migrate my people. You know, if they're on an instance that's been, that no longer talks to my instance, I'm like, fuck me. So like two hours after that dude made this generous offer. And I was holding out hope that Darusha Wame, the, the uh, wonderful Darusha Wame said, I will give you an invite to Wandering Shop, but they're not open right now. So this is, again, this is like 8, 9 p.m. on Thursday. And I said, God, I don't know when, if and when another Wandering Shop um, invites come in. And they might be hard to come by because suddenly there's like 30,000 people looking for new instances. It's, it's kind of a mass <laughs> exodus, right? And I said, well, fuck it. I just, and I asked the dude at the hackerspace, Andrew is his name. And I said, Andrew, do you mind? I think I might want to actually take you up on your offer. Do you mind if I kind of treat this as a temporary refuge? Will it hurt your feelings if, you know, in a month or three, I migrate again? He's like, absolutely not. Don't care. 
do what you need to do. You are welcome to do whatever you think you need to do with our stuff. Like, you can't really ask for more than that. So I said, fuck it. I migrated to social. My like So now my account is Henio Diabolico, like everything, at social.lajmakerspace.org. It took me uh, a good... Uh, 20 writings of that before I could actually write it from scratch. <laughs> it's, it's a tad unwieldy, but it, it's there. And I migrated. And so all this happened like Thursday night. So now my, you know, my Mastodon LOL account um, is in whatever the frozen space. If you go to it, it'll say, oh, my, my account's over at this other thing. Fine. All well and good. And so then, you know, it's Friday morning and I, now I have this brand new instance uh, to me, but I start doing my main, yeah, I start doing my normal stuff. And at some point I realize, well, that wandering shop invite's going to come in. Spoiler, let me jump straight to the spoiler part of that. It came in like last night. So had I waited 24 hours, uh, you know, I would have just gone straight to wandering shop. But now I've got, at this moment, and, and also it's 30 days uh, from, you can't migrate if you've done it in 30 days. So once every 30 days. So I can't migrate again for 29 days. <sighs> But the thing that we were thinking about, and I was kicking this around with Evo Terra, you know, on, on the Mastodons, was do I need, why do I need this one canonical account? Um, I have, I'm on a maker, I'm on a hackerspace instance with other hackerspace people. And I talk about hackery things. And I talk about science fiction-y book things. What if I just had two accounts? And the two accounts can follow each other. And if I have a thing that I want on the other one, I can boost the thing from the one account to the other account. And it's just like having two personas. It's like being in two different, you know, news groups, you know? And we said, why not? So I, I, I joined wandering shop last night. I've done literally nothing. I got a profile picture. I haven't touched it. I started to, it's Saturday morning as I record this, as I started to fuck with wandering shop. And then I said, you know, uh, once this begins, who knows what the end state of this is but why don't i record my show for the listeners about all this shit before i start fiddling with mastodon because who knows it could be i could be done in 10 minutes i could spend the next eight hours doing it so that's where that is i've had this uh my my time um with, with on the gay server is now at an end and now i'm going to really and truly i also uh, made that decision before i knew um, anything about it. The main reason why Wandering Shop is if you take the plurality of people I follow, I follow more people in Wandering Shop than anywhere else. And what I did not understand um, when I started is that it's kind of a kindness uh, that there's a different expense in the in the Fediverse between interacting with somebody on your server and somebody off your server. Now, you, there's, that's not to say don't do, do all you want of either. But if 80% of the people you interact with are on one instance, you should probably be on that instance. Now, I'm not saying it's 80. It's probably more like 20, but it's a plurality, but not a majority. Um, but, you you know, it's much cheaper to do all the stuff on your own instance than than off instance. Not do all do whatever you want, but it's just a kindness. You know, it just makes sense. And then also the local, you know, when you look at the local, which is everyone on your server that you're whether or not you're following them. If it's an affinity group, it's going to make sense. Like the Mastodon LOL local, I never looked at that because it's, you know, mostly people I don't know talking about topics I don't care about. Um, on Wandering Shop, it's more likely, or on Hackerspace, it's more likely the local time 
uh, timelines mean something to me. Now, if you go to the show notes, evilgeniuschronicles.org, I now have a shitload of Fediverse accounts. <laughs> I have, at this point, two different Mastodon accounts, a Bookworm account. I have a Funk Whale account. I think I have a Pixel Fed account. I've created a, like one account on every app that I can find that I give one shit about. There's also Owncast, which is um, if we were still doing a Mad at Dead live stream, we might be do, doing that instead of Twitch. And there's PeerTube, which is like a Fediverse style YouTube thing. It's all, like all this stuff. And it's actually exciting. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's fun in the way early podcasting was fun. It's fun in the way early internet was fun. The early Usenet was fun. So, and it's fun in the way BBSs were fun. So that that's kind of why I'm pursuing all this. So, Show notes, evilgeniuschronicles.org. If you'd like to, if you are uh, Fediverse compliant, <laughs> is that how one says it? That sounds, that sounds very different than what I meant it. If, if, if you do any of this stuff, uh, the accounts will all be listed up on the blog. And the blog also uh, is, you know, you can subscribe to the blog. If you do at Dave at Evil Genius Chronicles from any Fediverse thing, you can subscribe to my blog now because I put the activity pub plugin on it. So it's all a thing. With that, I'm going to take a fine. Hmm. Setup took a long time again today. You know what that means? Tepid coffee. Hmm. And you know what? I'm drinking it anyway. So, speaking a little bit about the hackerspace, uh, a little bit more about the hackerspace, as if I haven't done a lot of it, but the, uh, the thing about the silk screen. So, I could pay somebody. I mean, you know, I, I one of the things I say in life over and over, and I'm kind of um, going against what I say, is that a problem I can solve with money isn't that big a problem. And I can now, now bearing in mind, <laughs> if you spend a shitload on your Patreon stuff, you're sort of uh, you're sort of undoing the benefit of everything. <laughs> Effectively, you're turning the whole thing into not a fundraiser and to a very slow merchandise sale, which is not what you want to do. You like the cost to be as low as possible, and there is no lower cost than, you know, taking your own um, squeegee and squeegeeing the ink yourself. And also, here's the other thing. I enjoy this. All right. I have not done it in a very long time, but I enjoy it. And I actually want to physically go and do it. And I want to hang out in the hackerspace with the LJ nerds, you know, and, you know, take my <laughs> take take my outer shirt off because I was probably chilly up there even in summer. And uh, when I get sweaty and, you know, in my T-shirt be uh, – in, in clothes, I don't care if I get ink all over and do all that. But here's the other thing I was thinking about. Some of this only occurred to me like just uh, in the last 20 minutes is um, I think I'm going to work out some kind of conversion factor because I have people that I owe five, six. I don't know. I Could it be as many as seven by this year? I, I owe people a lot of shirts. I'm going to work out a conversion factor. So for one thing, I'm going to absolutely let people pick um, colors in the pa past it was very Henry Ford. You could have any color you want as long as you want black. Um, I'm going to let people choose colors. I'm going to let them, you know, choose size. You could always choose a size, like if you wanted to gift one. Um, but I think what I'm going to do is work out a conversion, which is to say, if you'd like to roll three shirts into a hoodie, we can do that. Like we can do alternate non-shirt things. We can work out a deal. Or I don't know. I I, I don't know what. Once I've got the screen and the ink, like. Slapping ink on another thing is effectively practically free. <laughs> you know, it's very little, uh, very little. I think it cost me 50 cents every time I swipe the sque squeegee. So it doesn't really matter to me what exactly I'm putting it on. So um, 
if you're a patron and you're listening and there's a thing you would like to have, a, a non-obvious, doesn't even have to be closed. Like Thomas Peake used to silkscreen the cover of his zines, right? Um, he, he would squirt different colors of ink and just let it mix so that no two covers of the zine were alike. You know, you do crazy shit like that. Um, I could do stuff like that. You know, I could put different colors of ink on there. So I could print, you know, red letters on a white shirt or whatever. You know, it doesn't, it, uh, sky's the limit really here. Uh, it could be glow in the dark ink if they have such a thing. Or if shit, I could buy glow in the dark ink. If you like a glow in the dark evil genius shirt, that could be doable. And so we, we can work out a conversion factor. Hats, I don't know what, like koozies, I'm sure, are easily doable. Um, so, you know, we'll figure all this out. <sighs> um, earlier in the week, I listened to Cory Doctorow on Eating the Fantastic. As you know, I'm friendly with, Am I? have I risen to the level of friend? Am I a friend with Scott Edelman or am I a close acquaintance? I don't know. But he's a guy with whom I am friendly. And I've been a supporter of his Eating the Fantastic podcast I'll Almost as long as he's been doing it. And I've been a patron almost as long as he's had. I think I probably I might have been the first patron to sign up to his uh, Patreon account. And I enjoy his podcast. And he had Cory Doctorow on recently. And, uh, you know, they talked about your Doctrovian stuff. And, it you know, it sounds, uh, you know. You know, when I interviewed Corey in Oricon 2006, you know, some of the same topics because, you know, some of the same world <laughs> exists. And uh, if there is one thing Corey is extremely good at, it is fighting the good fight. But the key thing that jumped out at me is he was talking about Judith Merrill. And, you know, I'm going to screw up her CV because um, I believe Judith Merrill lived in Toronto. But she had she was one of these people who, who was a spark plug. And she's kind of a legend in you know science fiction circles because she was, I believe, at one point an editor, a book editor. I think she moved to Toronto, or maybe she was still a book editor in Toronto. But she also f like was a co-founder of the Clarion Writing Workshop, and I think she was one of the people who started like the most uh, influential science fiction bookstore in Toronto. And she was one of these people that just did stuff. She was the spark plug, and like when you go back in history. Um, you see, like a lot of times, you, you see these people. Andrew in LJ, right? He is this guy. He's like the Judy Merrill of LJ, Georgia, right? It's this guy, this very small set of people, just keep doing things over and over. And there's, and in some cases, like me and Paul Reynolds and Andre Pope ran Create South for, f I don't know, five years, six years. And we just fucked up on creating an organization that would outlive uh, our heroic efforts. And I regret that to this day. Uh, I wish we had put more effort into that, um, into less of the tactical, um, what can we do to make this happen today? And more of the, what can we do to build an organization that will uh, be robust for the future? And so we could have a different, like if we had done that better, we could have been that for Myrtle Beach, like the Grand Strand area, but we did not. We've, we we absolutely, unequivocally failed ourselves and failed our community at that. And there's no uh, no getting around that. But when you go back through history, you can see like so many places, uh, there's like a person or a small set of people, and they just started so much stuff. And, uh, you know, early punk is like this, like uh, a very small set of people created a lot of the institutions that made things happen. I just yesterday was reading um, Mavericks and Lunatics. Um, I bought my kid a couple um, cheap 
Uncle Scrooge, Trevor, Fantagraphics has a sale. They're one of these companies that I don't ever buy from on a normal day because they frequently have these sales, uh, you know, 20 to 50% off sales. And I just wait for sale. <laughs> like, that means things sell out between now and then, but I can live with that. And so uh, I bought a couple Uncle, of those hardcover Uncle Scrooge, Donald Duck uh, treasuries for the child. And then I bought myself this Drew Friedman hardcover book. It's called Mavericks and Lunatics, and it's a uh, it's about the underground cartoonists. And every two pages, uh, and it's a big book, right? Every two pages is a full page portrait um, that, uh, uh, like a pen and ink drawing, full page, beautiful. I mean, all these portraits are beautiful. Drew Friedman did. His art style has kind of mellowed, and it's not as dotty as it was forty years ago. It's it's just kind of lush and beautiful, and kind of very full and rich and rounded. And then the other side is a bio of them. And you'll notice, like, there's a small set of names that keep popping up in other people's bios. Like, there are some people who did, you know, two years of underground comics and then more or less disappeared. And then there are other people. There's your Ron Turner's from Last Gasp. And there's your, uh, like, your S. Clay Wilson's who, uh, and your Skip Williamson's who did not just, like, one thing, but they did so many things. And they, like, basically perpetuated scenes. And they set up companies and they set up institutions and organizations and co-ops. And, and if you really get down to it, like that's probably like that's the kind of person I most admire is the, you know, the person who it's not the person who does a thing. It's the person who builds a thing that makes other people also do things. You know, the, it's a force multiplier. You know, the you do a thing and you get um you get one minute's effort for every one minute you put in. And you build an organization with 10,000 people, and you may get an hour or, you know, 100 hours for every minute you put in, right? It, it's just a different, it's a different thing. One of the, uh, so somewhere, the other, the other um, offshoot of all that is somewhere in this thing, I have a few, like a very small number of comics that are mentioned in that book. Mostly, I think, probably like the Kitchen Sink things, like Snarf, which Kitchen Sink started as an underground publisher and then, you know, became an above-ground publisher back when he was doing, like, The Spirit and things like that. And I, I've met Dennis Kitchen. I interviewed him for Reality Blake a long time ago, and he was a super nice guy. Sounded like I said Reality Blake. Reality Break. Back in, I interviewed him at DragonCon. Oh, geez. I get pushing 30 years ago, 25 to 30 years ago. And, uh... What I, I should, it makes me think I should have some more of these. And, you know, undergrounds aren't, if you're not fussy about the printing, and I don't know that underground people are generally fussy about the printing, they did a very different thing uh, from comics. You know, the, the, the standard Marvel DC comic world is so disposable. You publish, you know, Thor 187. And then next month, you're going to publish Thor 188 and blah, 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 blah. And the comic, the undergrounds would publish a comic. And when it sold out, they'd have a second printing, a third printing, and a fourth. And you could buy them for decades. And so um makes me think, I, I probably missed a boat on this, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Last Gasp in San Francisco closed a warehouse and had some kind of super sale. Um, and I probably, that would have been the time to be interested in this topic, when you could buy a bunch of that shit relatively uh, reasonably. I, I'd like some undergrounds. And I don't have a plan. Um and I might just random. I mean, somebody's selling a batch on eBay. I don't know if you uh, uh, if you know 
if you're in the underground world or were in the underground world, um, let me know. Like, you know, obviously you got your zap number ones, obviously you got, you know, your arcade comics and stuff like that. Um, but like, what would be, you know, your furry freak brothers, your things like that, your wonder warthog. But I don't know. I don't know the bearing in mind that I have like the entire run starting from number one of American Splendor. So I've, you know, like Harvey Picard's in that book and he's like, just, I, I think he was, he and uh, Crum had uh, a collaboration in an actual, like what you would unequivocally underground comic, but like his American Splendor stuff, you know, obviously bordered. Uh, it just didn't talk about the same stuff. It was very, very different in feel from underground. So I think he's adjacent, but I don't know. Like if he wasn't so famous, he probably wouldn't uh, have been in that book because you know, his actual underground per se uh, contributions were slight. I do know. So I am a follower and an acolyte of Hal Robbins, Dr. Hal of the Ask Dr. Hal show, who absolutely, uh, his roommate is in this book. He is not in this book. And he is uh, a little bit salty about it because, <laughs> and I know exactly the thing is like when you look at like lists of influential podcasters and you look at somebody and you think, that person's on that list. My bona fides are better than that person. Dr. Hal's doing the same thing. Like that guy is in this thing. He only did like four things. And look at this. I have all this body of work. So I uh, totally understand the feeling. I totally understand the sentiment, Dr. Hal. But anyway, I do recommend that book. It's a good book. It was, you know, obviously there's like the number of words per page. Uh, you know, a few of the people, there's a lot. Um, some of the people that weren't that many. You know, it might be two sentences, three sentences in their bio. So it's a fast read in that regard, but it's still, I end up taking my time because one of the things I know when I read comic books, like just your regular monthly comic, is I generally don't spend enough time looking at the art. I've actually been trying to slow myself down when I read them. It's to just appreciate the art and like look at each panel for an extra one second and like look at the page as a composition for an extra one second. You know, it adds like a minute or two to the reading of the comic and it makes you kind of appreciate it more. Like it's like it's not a race. I'm not trying to get through it as fast as possible. So like with each um page turn, I would try to take a moment and just really appreciate the uh portrait that uh that Drew Friedman did. And they I dude, they are beautiful. <laughs> these are good looking and these are beautiful. There is no doubt that you know, like his craft you know, like he's at the top of his game. One of the things I found that I could not avoid doing like every single page turn is figuring out either how old that person is <laughs> or how old they were when they died. Like I did the math every day. First thing I do is I go look at those dates and I'm like, Oh, they're 80. They're 80 now. Or they died when they were 47. You know, there were a number of, as one might expect, uh, there were a number of fairly young deaths in there. Von, yeah, Von Baudet and, you know, people like that. Even uh, I'm trying to remember the guy who got hit by a bus, Greg Irons. Like some of them were, you know, some of them were, Lifestyle related, Greg Irons just got hit by a bus walking down a street in Thailand. You know, that's, uh, you know, you know, there was certainly some drug overdoses and some suicides and things like that. But that one just like, oh, geez, some motorcycle accidents, uh, literally getting hit by a bus. You know, it's such a cliche, uh, but it happens. All right. I, you know, I have more topics, but I've been the mouth. It runs. So uh, I believe uh, as so frequently happens, <laughs> they're going to roll to a future show. I will say, like, one of the last topics, and I can't even remember which person this is. I don't remember who it was that was getting criticized. I think it was Marjorie Taylor Greene or s somebody at the State of the Union. Like, as I record this, it's a couple days after the State of the Union. You know, Joe Biden was 
I, I'm happy to always say this. It was at best in the 2020 Democratic primaries. He was my fifth candidate at best. But he has done, I think, uh, you know, an acceptable job as a Democratic president and seems to be actually even doing even better with a, a hostile House of Representatives. Like the way. I, I'm no, uh, you know, I, I'm no person who loves to call balls and strikes in politics. But the way he said Republicans want to cut Social Security, and then they called him a liar, and they said, "Oh, so then we're not cutting Social Security?" <laughs> okay, I'm a liar for saying you want to cut Social Security. Let's not do that then. <laughs> it was like it's like a fight that was over in ten seconds. <laughs> it's like so we can agree we're not doing this. And then he also uh, like the follow up is like pulling up video clips of the people saying, well, we got to cut social security. The same people who called them a liar for saying they wanted to cut social security, like lists uh, of interviews and articles and videos where they said it. It's like, fuck man. I, I'm, uh, I am all in favor of this new, um, scrappy Democrats. Like the thing I hate about Democrats my entire lifetime is their inability to scrap when the chips are down. Like, Oh, well, we've got to be collegial. I can't, the other, the other, uh, team is throwing Molotov cocktails at us, but you know we just got to put up our umbrellas and hope for the best. It's like fuck you guys. What fight when there's a fight, and it looks like they're finally woke up and they're having a fight. So maybe they won't be completely useless on all these ugly fights. But somebody and so there was a lot of just nonsense. Like especially your MAGA wing of the Republican Party uh, did not seem like they were used to being um, in civilized spaces at the State of the Union. And it, again, I've said this over the course of this podcast. I must have said it a hundred times at least. Don't vote for anti-government politicians. Any government who, any politician who says government doesn't work, once they get in there, we'll make that happen. Their incentive is to make government not work, and then they have the power to make government not work. So don't vote for them ever. But I believe it was Marjorie Taylor Greene was like being completely disruptive. And I saw somebody criticizing her as saying, well, this is what happens when the only uh, events you go to are tractor pulls and demolition derbies or something like that. And to me, that was like, it's not like I hate the woman and hate what she does and hate what she stands for. But that is the absolutely the wrong way to criticize her because essentially what you're doing is throwing country people, rural people, largely Southern people under the bus in the sense, in, in in the criticism of her, so this is how uh, the left loses people who really and truly should be on their side. People who economically would make more sense to to not support the party that wants to pick their pocket and rob them, vote for them anyway because those people don't call them buffoons <laughs> publicly. They do call them buffoons. They just are smart enough to not do it uh, out loud in public. So, whatever your criticism, I always bristle. I hate, particularly when snobby left people um, talk about flyover states or red states, and they just dismiss. Like, all those people in Mississippi, all those people in South Carolina. It's like, dudes, you know, this is how you lost hearts and minds. So, don't lose hearts and minds. Everyone matters. (laughs) Gay, straight, uh, white, black. Uh, indigenous European uh, country, city, Democratic, Republican. We all matter or no one matters. So you can't just say, well, 
you got you New York and you're LA and maybe she maybe will dis- condescend to Chicago and then the rest of the country, you know, is a bunch of rubes. Anybody who oh and DC of course. But everybody else is just uh, you know, uncivilized and beyond the, the pale. It's like you can't do that. If you do that you lose me and uh it looks like maybe we have a chance to make some progress. I don't know. Maybe we get some fights, but I don't know. I don't know. It it's 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 a very you might, I mean, shit, I was, I lived through the Reagan revolution and I was not scared about that this way. And I lived through, you know, uh, the contract on America and that did not scare me. And I'm scared, honestly, day to day. I'm scared about a lot of what's going on and I, I just worry day to day. So, uh, maybe things will get better. I don't know. At the very least, I got a pair of accounts on two different Mastodon instances and I got a plan over the summer to drive to a small town in Georgia and silkscreen some shit. So uh, everything else may be going uh, in the shitter, but that's going to happen. So, and now it is time for something that we call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, bit.ly slash EGC Patreon and pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, R. Hooley, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoco, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden, Brian Hogan, and last but not least, patrons in exile, Nutty Nukchas and Eric Peterson. Thank you, one and all, for your support. Again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. And with that, let us kill the music. If you got uh, any feedback, you can send it to Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. Put a little at in front of that and subscribe to it from Mastodon, and you'll get this blog in your Mastodon client. It seems like magic. It works. You can always get to the show notes, EvilGeniusChronicles.org. And man, go out and just go out and do live your life and fight your fights and cover up when you need to and protect yourself when you need to. And just let's all just live, right? Let's just live. That's what it's about. Don't forget that I love you. Goodbye. Every step of fucking adventure.